Hello. Hello, Merlin. How are you? I'm very well, Dan. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Good, good, good. It's unseasonably warm here. Oh, yeah? How warm is it? How warm is it? What do you think? Watch. It says 76 degrees, which is pretty, pretty warm. Heat wave. They're warning people. Go get in a pool or see a movie. What is that average temperature, you know, for, for this time of year normally? What is the average temperature for September in San Francisco? Oh, you can help me on my phone. Thanks, buddy. Let's see. <laughs> oh, I came up with websites. Well, ah. this will come into uh, – this is actually one of our questions today. Uh, you know, this is our warm time of year because people love it when old men talk about the weather. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about the weather. We could talk about the government. Hi, hi, hi. Uh, it's, it's, this is the warm time. September and October are when it gets warm here, and it's just weird. It's climate. How even does it work? Yeah, but it's pretty warm. But, you know, as you know, we don't have the air conditioning here. Now, now, what's it like in your neck of the woods? Here today in Austin? Oh, there, there today yeah, in Austin, what's it like? in the 80s, cooling down in the Ooh, 80s. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Nice, As nice, we get into the nice. weekend, it might even be a high of 70s, which would be wonderful. Oh, that's a nice time. I it's think, nice when you can wear long, long, uh, long sleeves again. Oh, I mean, I'm sh- shorts and t-shirts are still what most people are, are wearing. Uh, still warm. I mean, it'll be, it'll be in the 80s, the upper 80s for weeks still. I don't miss that. I was talking to somebody uh, over the weekend about you know where we're from and yeah. was remem- remembering back in, f- I've told you this, but back in Florida in high school, I would bring a second shirt and I would change shirts. Oh, because you'd have sweat- sweated through the shirt. Just even in an air conditioned high school, yeah. it was it was so freaking hot. And then like we like, and then in Tallahassee in the later nineties, we had to have a rule in our band. We we're like, look, it's not very rock and roll for us to wear shorts and t shirts on stage. Like we look like we're in a Jimmy Buffett band or something. <laughs> so we had to really lay down the law and say, look, unless it's really, 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 you can practice in shorts, but like we should wear big boy pants, right? Long trousers when we're rocking out and doing our scissor kicks on the stage, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you have to there. you have to wear jeans to to work here, even even in the heat. But do you have a dress code for your office? Yeah, you got to wear you gotta wear regular clothes in here. Okay, have you ever had to send anyone home? Mm, no, no. Okay, never. Have, you been, have you been tempted? Yeah. Oh yeah. What about if somebody wears uh, breaks the rule and wears a shirt with a controversial or obscene? No, phrase. do you make them turn it inside out? No, I don't care about any of that. Did you ever do that at your high school? They make you turn your shirt inside out? Yeah, definitely. There were kids that had to turn it inside. I actually saw mm-hmm. the last time I flew, I saw a guy with a with a t shirt in the airport and had it turned inside out. You could still tell what it read, but was it like an alien flipping the bird or something? I don't know. Something some you know, the f word or something stupid on it. Oh. Yeah. This is how we fly today. It's really, really sad. <laughs> I know. Isn't you know, that awful? It is. Yeah. I was speaking of Florida. I was thinking speaking about Florida. Yes. I was thinking about something the other day that I thought maybe would be worth telling on the show. But I, you, you, I wish you would. I'll tell it. And then if it's boring, you can just move to the next topic without comment. But well, how about instead I make like a really loud buzzer noise? <laughs> as soon okay. as you start boring me, I go. Eh. <laughs> okay, ideal. Let's do it. All so right. uh, I was uh, probably about fourteen years old, maybe maybe even fifteen, and I've been working at our lovely grocery store, Publix, 
um, mm-hmm. for probably about a year or so. And of course, when you started out in those days at the grocery store, Publix anyway, you were a, you were a, what we would call affectionately call a bag boy, mm-hmm. which meant that uh, you were responsible for asking people, do you want paper or plastic? And then you would bag their groceries, put it in the cart, walk their cart out to the uh, to their car, refuse to accept their tip, and two, two things to know about Publix. Yeah, two things to know. Not you got to say this because not everybody gonna know this. You always they will always take your groceries to your car and put them in for you, and you are not allowed to tip. Not allowed to tip. And in, in fact, if you were caught receiving or accepting a tip, you could get fired or would get fired. Mr. Publix would fire you right on the he spot. He would come out and fire you. I, uh, I did Grounds for dismissal. I did not accept tips for a very long time and watched all of the other baggers all around me always accepting tips until one day I just broke down and I, I would occasionally accept them and felt incredibly guilty about it. But, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a flawed human being. So yes. We uh, one the way that you got promoted in that store was to offer to do things to the manager, to the front end manager who would mm. that might be like, yeah, uh, it might be. I'll, I'm just gonna let that sit there, and you would uh, you would take like push the broom around. You know how they have that big broom? You'd walk the aisles with the broom, like a, like a whisk broom. There, one person would have a whisk broom, and the other person would have that big, like. It's like a giant Swiffer on steroids, really. And you, floor, floor broom. Floor broom. And you'd push that up and down the aisles. The other thing you could do would be offer, like, clean the, mop the bathroom floors. And so you had to do all this crap. And this was how you showed initiative to your managers. And that's how you eventually got promoted. So I'd been doing that crap. And, and the way that they kind of entry-level promote you is they say, well, when it's slow up front, you can help out in the dairy section. And that meant mm. like restocking the milk because everyone buys milk. So you'd restock the milk and restock the yogurt and things like that and help the, the dairy guy out. And if you did that well, then you could get promoted usually into, into dairy, uh, maybe into frozen foods. But both of these were good. And this is what made me think of it again today is because it, it was so hot. It was always hot in Florida. It was hot in the whole store. And the idea of going into a nice cooler where they, you know, all everything is nice and cold in there. You could just cool down. Oh, that was great. So I had been doing a little bit of like helping with the dairy. You're, you're showing a little bit of public hustle. Uh, a lot of hustle, and mm-hmm. you know, like cleaning the cleaning the bathrooms. Eventually, you get you get noticed. So I was helping with the dairy. I was helping in the frozen foods, and I knew that I was up for some kind of promotion. And of course, I wanted to be in frozen foods or, or dairy. Those were the two that I wanted to go to. And so they brought me up and they said, listen, and, and they kind of, they did one of those like real funny jokey things where they make it seem like you're in big trouble and like maybe going to get fired. And then at the last minute they say, you're, you're not going to be fired. You're being promoted. And uh, they promoted me into what was called bottles, which meant the soda aisle, which I was at the time, I was like, okay, well, it, it's a promotion. It's not what I want. But it was a promotion, and it meant you know stocking the soda aisle. But what I didn't know at the time was a couple things. One, the way that they stored soda in the back, because the back of the store was was pretty confined, was just sort of all along the walls, just stacked mm-hmm. up along the walls, all along the whole back of the store. You'd see it if you use the restroom. If you go back yeah. through the, the, the the doors, you'd see all the stock back That's there. That's right. That, that seems like a lot of heavy lifting, Dan. It was, and I was not a big kid by any stretch. I was not especially strong and so they would put the two liter bottles i think there were six 
uh, in a in one of these crates, and the crates would be stacked up really high, and it was very difficult to get to a lot of these. But meanwhile, everybody who goes to this store also buys a two liter thing of Coke. So like, and if the shelves were empty, oh, that was, you would get in big Mm -mm. trouble. And it was a huge challenge for me as a smaller guy to stock those shelves and keep them stocked. And I really didn't like it. And I had a feeling I wasn't going to like it when the whole thing started. Uh, And even when I was offered that, I was kind of disappointed. Now looking back, you know what I should have done is I should have said, you know, I'm, I'm flattered for the offer. I sure could use the extra money. Um, but I, that's not really the part of the store that, that I would want to be in. And, you know, I, I was really hoping for frozen foods or dairy. And I, I think I'd just like to hang out in the, in the front end until a position there opens up. That's what I should have said. But as a 15-year-old, 14, 15-year-old kid, I, I didn't think that way. And I just said yes. And guess what? That led me to eventually wind up quitting just a couple months later and uh, getting bad reviews in the process because I couldn't keep the shelves oh, no. stocked. Oh, no. I was not true to myself. I was not true to what I had really wanted to do. And, uh, and I, just, like, I just realized this like yesterday or the day before that like, that was what... You realized it, like, it could have been different. Yeah, it could have been different if I had been more true to what I really wanted. And I think I was so scared to like disappoint my manager and, you know, and turn down a, a prom- it was the first promotion I'd ever got except from, right. um, you know, that, like working the broiler to the fry machine at Burger King, bef- my job before that, which wasn't much of a promotion. You just stood in a different place. But yeah. this was actually like they had respected my hard work and were giving me a reward and the reward was more money and a promotion, but I didn't really want to do what they wanted to do. <sighs> you didn't, I've you heard, didn't buzz me. I, uh, no, you're good. You're okay. good. Right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it. First of all, I'm thinking that at McDonald's, I, I always heard that working, you say Burger King, right? Yeah. Burger King. I always heard fries at Burger King were one of the toughest gigs. You like that better than being on the uh, on the broiler? Well, you never you at least on the fries you get to kind of move around. You get to, to mm-hmm. dump things down. You get to press the buttons and make the the thing sink down into the into the oil. And making burgers is making burgers is thankless because it's one of those jobs where they only notice when you're not doing it well. Yes, but you know this is another part of being a young person. But yeah, it's part of being a young person. Is like you're smart enough or savvy enough to realize that like. It's like my daughter right now is like, I want more chores. And I'm like, yeah, I know you want more chores because you want some money. But like, first you have to demonstrate, like the system we're working on right now is here's these three things we would like you to do every day. And we're going to have a little magnet thing. We talked about this this morning. We had a family meeting. And we're going to have a little magnet thing. And when you've done a week, when you've had seven days in a row of doing all three every day, resets on a day you miss it. Not, that's not punishment, but we just need to see that you can do this before we commit to giving, you know, to crossing your palm. Um, and you know, they're pr- very simple things. Uh, there's things we could use a little help with and that you can totally do. So, I mean, from a very young age, everybody understands there's this transactional nature to your relationships with others. We're like, Hmm, if I'm very good, I'll get ice cream. Right. Or if, if I take this lady's, you know, uh, two liters of pop to the car, eventually I might get to go in the freezer. But like the thing, you know, now, or that I theoretically know now is that that being useful is much more than transactional. It, it takes a certain kind of like, well, what is difficult for the person in a position to notice I'm doing a good job? Like, what, what, is, what is difficult for them? What makes their job more difficult? And like, you just think like, okay, so like, what's three to five things I could do that they will notice that I'm making their job less difficult? Right. You know, and, and, and I think that that's, 
And if you do that, if you do that well, like that's when you can kind of, assuming it's a responsible organization, you're more likely to get to write your own ticket because then you discover more things that you can do. And uh, in that case, I guess the only thing I would have done differently, and you're right, first promotion, what are you going to say? You might have said like, like, (laughs) sounds so stupid, but like, I I think I could be most useful to you here. And like, here's my slide demonstration, what I will do differently. Like, I am going to change the way you think about freezers. It's going to be a paradigmatic change to the way the freezer operates. But you're right. You're a kid. What are you going to do? I quit so many jobs. Oh, oh man, I, all I did was quit jobs, especially like after George that. Stands, I just, I just look forward to quitting jobs. I'm so into it. <laughs> I was such a diva <laughs> and hero. <laughs> yeah, that's difficult. Oh, poor Florida. I sent poor you a picture Florida. of Lisa yes, Simpson. I see her uh, as Florida. Yep, I'm not a state. I'm a monster. <laughs> um, yeah, jobs are complicated stuff. Hi, how you doing in general? How's school going? School's pretty good. Picture day coming up, I think, tomorrow. Is it just me? Are you, are you getting multiple photo days per year? I think we get at least two of them now. We get at least two now. It's such a jam up. Like, and it's, I don't know. They don't when do I, when we were kids, job. I think it was just one, it was one when per we year. When we were kids, it was like, usually like around what, like October or yeah. like early on. And it was a big deal and it was very fancy and they took pretty good photos and now today, maybe it's just because everybody's got a camera and I'm just used to this, but the, the, the pictures they take are such, they're bad. They're especially a, the you know, photos. They're average at best, I think. And especially with like, what we can do with our phones and our I know. pockets, like that's better. This was back in the day when like, like if someone brought a camera to something, oh, they must be a professional photographer. They had left the house with a real camera. And now, oh, you know, everyone has a real camera. And these things, you look at these pictures and, and like, so... I was just saying to my boy, I'm like, listen, when you get home today, this is this morning. So when you get home today, you have to cooperate with mom. She's going to have you try on a few different shirts. Do (laughs) do not give her a hard time about it. Let her do it. He's like, fine, I will. I'm like, and tomorrow for pig, he's like, I hate picture day. I'm like, why? He's like, I can't fake a smile. It does not look Mm. right. It does not look like me. I can't do it. My little girl's like, I can smile anytime I want. And he's like, well, I can't smile. <laughs> Boy, they're always going at each other. Oh, man. You know, the best way to do this, what I've learned a long time ago, is just tell everybody in the picture to say butts. And then everybody laughs. <laughs> and you get, you get laughing, and laughing is better than smiling. Now, here's my problem. And, you know, nothing against these camera jackals. But they, for the group shots, they set up these, you know, sort of like bleachers. You know what I mean? Like there's like three or four levels, and they line the kids up. <sighs> like I get, like I know enough about photography to understand that you want good light. So they got the light coming straight at the kids. But at the time they're taking the photo and the kids are standing on the stands, it's right in their eyes. Right. So you get a photo of like 25 <laughs> kids looking like Nina Garcia with the car. Like they're covering up their eyes and squinting like they're trying to see the garment better. It's it's crazy. But you're right. You're right. And now in this age, it's like, well, of course you want them. And yes, now you get a keychain. And man, do you, want you guys get keychains? You get keychains. Oh, man. Well, we don't yeah, get any I, of that. Well, I try to hold my tongue about this because I think I know what's going on. It's sort of like it's Occam's razor for public schools, which is like, <laughs> if you're not sure why something is happening, <laughs> if you're not sure why something is happening, assume it's because they are under-resourced and need money. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like Scholastic. Do you use the Scholastic flyers? Ah, uh, yes. Like I, the, you know, to order books? Yes. Half of it's toys. I know. It's like my daughter's like, well, I want this wimpy kid book and I want this spy kit and I want this. Like, you know, no, this is not, this is not Toys R Us. 
RIP. Like, no, you, this is, it's, but like, you know, they're getting a cut of that. That's how they get you. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know. But like, I, I treasure some of these photos. Some of them turn out really good. But it's like, I think about like, when I go and take a photo of anybody, we were away this weekend, we were camping this weekend. And so people at the next table, or, or actually at the share table at this place, and they're really nice people. I met a very nice dog named Chewy. And they're like, would you mind taking a picture of us? And I was like, I would love to take a photo of you. I took like six photos. I told them to say butts. I did multiple angles. I took at least five photos. Because you know what? Here's what you learn in photography. Keep the light behind you. Take multiple photos. Well, so keep the light behind you. Stand as still as possible and take multiple photos. And like, if you do those three stupid things, I can't believe how many people still shoot into the light. Keep the light behind you. Stand very still. Take multiple photos. And like your chances of getting a decent photo of that go through the roof. And now today it's like you get the kid in a little booth and they got like three seconds and it's just they, they don't take multiple photos. It's... I don't know. In modern times, it seems crazy. My daughter picked the shirt she wanted to wear. She has a shirt. She's wearing a shirt. Uh, we'll see if it comes out in her photo. A shirt that says, I'd rather be reading. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I love that shirt. Yeah, you know, Occam's Razor. Complicated times. What else is going on at school? Uh, yeah. Do you do the lockdown drills? Um, yes, they do them. I'm not, I, I, mm. I don't know how they go, but I know they, they've been told that oh, they do. It's very upsetting. Second day of school, they had earthquake drill. They, learned, they relearned the process for earthquake drill, for fire drill, and for lockdown. Lockdown and lockout, those are two different ones. So yeah, the kids got to learn what to do if somebody comes in the school. Uh, happy times. But let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. This is a happy occasion. Oh, right. uh-huh. Well, listen, I, I'm real open on today. What I have, uh, we can talk about whatever you want, and I have three, I prepared a little bit, I have three feedbacks from listeners that I would like to respond to, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, the world is your oyster. What let's, are you excited about right now? What are you excited about? Uh, well, let's do, let's do your, um, let's do all of them. Let's do them all. Do you want to tell me about something that you like? Yeah, I would love to tell you about uh, the, the folks over at Smile. Smile. You know Smile. I know Smile. I was using Smile. I use Smile this very morning. This morning. Well, they I'm make, guessing this will probably be about the PDF app, it, but I was using Text Expander just this morning. I created a new one. You're right. It is about the uh, about PDF, the PDF Pen family specifically. And what what this software lets you do is it lets you edit PDFs like a pro. They have it for macOS. They've got a they wouldn't be able to say that in the name legally unless you were doing PDFs as a pro. I think you might be onto something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, F- the FTC would be on, <laughs> on them like stink on poop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they get it for Mac OS, iPad, iPhone, and they have something else called PDF Pen Scan Plus. So PDF Pen for Mac OS, this is the ultimate PDF editing tool. It is your Swiss army knife of PDF. If you, if you want to get it on your iPad and iPhone, that's PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone. That lets you edit on your mobile device. And PDF Pen Scan Plus adds OCR to your mobile toolkit. So you can do mm. OCR when you're away from your desk, when you're away from your scanner. You can do things like scanning receipts, you scan a contract, anything like that. You don't have to go through the whole, well, we scanned it, then we printed it, then we signed it, then we faxed it. None of that. It all, everything is paperless. You can do paperless. Now, you can do paperless on your own. 
without mm. having to go buy extra devices or, or crazy stuff. You can it's add crazy. text and graphics. You can make corrections. There's so much more to this. And here's what they, they, uh, they have on their site. It's smilesoftware.com slash B2W. That's where you go to learn about all this. But what they've added in PDF Pen 9.1, there's bookmark support. They have improved window positioning. They've got tons of stuff you can do, like exporting a PDF to Microsoft Word to PDF. I mean, all of this stuff is built in. Keyboard shortcuts, everything you're going to find, all these great tips at smilesoftware.com slash B2W. And that's where you can learn more and get yourself a copy of uh, any one of the PDF Pen apps that you like for the uh, computing device of your choice. Mm. It's all there. PDF pen. Do it. Thanks. Do it. Thanks, Smile. Smilesoftware.com slash B2W. Thank you, Smile. Buck, buck. Good people. Good people. And if they didn't legally make you smile, they wouldn't legally be able to say so. That's probably true. It's called jurisprudence. Magna Carta. Force majeure. Um, I hope my audio is okay. I finally, well, I upgraded the Sierra on my 5K iMac. Okay. Low Sierra. And, um, which sounds like a Spanish phrase. Uh, <laughs> Low Sierra Mucho. All right. Title. And I, uh, finally, I think, I hope, am fixing a time machine thing that's been broken for over a year. What is that? Well, it just wasn't working. It kept saying it was working. And then when I go and test it, there was exactly one backup. And I was like, hmm, that seems weird. So I looked at all the pokery jiggery and all the sites that give you ways to, you know, theoretically fix this problem by deleting these files, RMR this directory, and it just all felt like. So basically, I just deleted the drive. I reformatted the drive that I use. And this is not interesting. But, oh, it is. Uh, I want to hear it. Well, you know, I... I I've got multiple layers. I'm like Heidi walking up the mountain. I have many, many layers. I'm like Steve Bannon with three shirts. I like to have multiple layers of backup, and I think Time Machine is a nice one. It's a great way to go like, oopsie. For some reason, Dropbox decided to delete a bunch of my text files, and I'm not sure why. Yes, that still happens, and I don't know why. It's easy to step on. If you're using multiple, multiple, multiple apps, uh, it's easy to step on those things. And I think Time Machine is great for that. But yeah, for like a year, it just hasn't worked. And I've looked at all the debugging. I don't know what's going on. And so finally, I, uh, I just reformatted the disk, journaled, encrypted, and then I uh, did the backup. It seemed to Do work. Do you encrypt when it's, your, when it's your desktop machine or, uh, as well, or just the laptops? I encrypt pretty much all my drives. Yeah. It just, it's gotten so much easier and so much faster. And I think I'm actually technically doing, not technically, but kind of two layers. Like the disk itself is encrypted, so it won't mount without decryption. You can just save that to the keychain. Um, but yeah, if somebody was to grab that drive and run away with it, they wouldn't be able to get to it. Right. But then I also do encryption in uh, Time Machine. And that, brother, woo! I got a text file here where I'm following the progress. It is going very, very slowly. Mm. I am at beep, boop, beep. This is so interesting to people who don't know me. 57%. So I hope the encryption is not killing my uh, audio. It's a crackle. Damn, we got to figure out this crackle. I'm not the only one getting crackle. This is a, we need to crowdsource this. I've been on multiple slacks trying to track down why people are getting crackle and it, people didn't used to get crackle. Crackle seems like you've heard crackle. You heard, heard it on my end, right? Um, I'm you not, get occasionally like, it sounds like an electronic flutter. I haven't heard and that the, today. The last episode had it like five times in the first half hour. I do not hear it at all. 
Things I've tried to isolate. Is a call recorder? No. People are getting this without using call recorder. People are using the, getting this with uh, Rogue Amoeba recording. Uh, is it my wild-ass guess that Alex Cox and I were working on? Could it be an AT&T phone being nearby? I had a weird huh. scientific wild-ass guess about that. We all went into airplane mode that didn't seem to affect it. If anybody knows what's causing the fluttering crackle sound amongst podcasts in the last few months, let's figure it out together. Because I don't like it either. I know it's there. I apologize for it. There's no way to remove it. It's something's happening when it's getting recorded. I don't hear it when it's getting recorded, but you hear it on the other end. Not interesting, but, you know, quality assurance. You know what I'm saying? Q- QA. Some of the great minds have been working on this, and we have not figured it out yet. I've had the Snellses and the Arminses of the world trying to help me with this, and we have not figured out what the isolating thing causing this is yet. If they don't know, I, I, nobody knows. Well, I don't think... You know, there's that kind of crack like when you're plugging in a guitar. Yes. Or like a, like a, it used to be back in the day, like a loose USB cable. It's not that. If you go back and listen to the last episode at the beginning for the first, like, I don't know, 20 minutes, half hour, you'll hear several times where there's this very fast, fluttering electronic crackle. And I don't know what it is. And I just huh. say, let's, to, as one, let's release the crackle. <laughs> <laughs> you know that movie does not stand up it's not as good as I remember you go no. back and watch uh, yes, Clash Harry Hamlin 1981 Clash of the Titans with that yeah. funny owl yep. it's weird. it is funny how sometimes practical effects like still have a charm that other kinds of effects don't like Medusa looks cool the owl looks sort of silly who's the guy I, Calibos was that his name Calibos the owl? what was his name no that was Me- Meep Moop was his name was it what's the owl Bebo <laughs> Bebo. I don't remember. I did, did show s- that movie to my kids, though, because I had gone into it, and at first I showed them, which is the, is it Jason and the Argonauts, or um, yeah, Sinbad, sure. and the, Sinbad and the... Classic Harryhausen, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and the, the stop-motion Cyclops and stuff, and they were completely not impressed. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, it, let me show you the Clash of the Titans, though, with the Kraken oh. and the bird and everything. And I showed them that, and they're like, this mm-hmm. is... A horrible Next. movie. Yeah, they <laughs> hated it. And I was like, okay, well, let's watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Speaking then. of the cute names, did you see, I meant to ask you this last week, have you seen the recent Adventure Time episode called Always Be Mo Closing? Yes. Oh, my God. It's perfect. I love I it so much. I love BMO episodes. And the idea of Ice King and BMO being inside of a big trench coat together just made me laugh. And the way their arms would work, it was so freaking good. I know. With the little head and the little, it was like a, like a, it's like a, I mean, what would you call it? Like a 1980s style Columbo trench coat. Yeah, like a big trench, it's like that old thing of like the old joke of like two or three kids standing on each other's right. shoulders in a trench coat, except in this case, BMO is the head and Ice King is the rest of the body and the arms. Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. freaking funny. And, and you know, BMO's now a salesman. Yeah. He gets hammers. He gets hammers. What a weird show. Uh, TV is great. Um, all right, so we got three three uh, three feedbacks. May I, this, can we do a uh, Nerdy Apple one? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this is from listener Eric, who has questions about Siri. He says, I love the latest episode where you talked about iOS 11. I learned a few things I didn't know existed. Thank you, listener Eric. Uh, what's your take on Siri after this update? Is the lady in the phone and watch any better? Now, you're, you're running iOS 11 on your things. Yep. Are you using Siri much right now? Where do you stand with Siri these days? Well, with iOS 10, I hadn't been using it very much. I had, in fact, turned off the, hey, computer uh, functionality entirely. I found out what just wasn't using it, and I'd read that maybe it would help with battery and other things. But uh, after the update, I turned it on, 
and started using it again. And when you turn it back on, if you're having a little tip, if you're having trouble, if Siri is having trouble identifying your voice when you tell it, hey, uh, apparently turning it off and back on is just like redoing your fingerprint for the touch ID. Really? Yes. It's like a reset that is supposed to help it. So I did that once I put iOS 11 on. And ever since I did that, it has been much, much better at identifying me and answering me and answering with information that I like. It's still, you know, it's still good morning, I, you know, which I don't need. Oh, that but, drives you crazy. Yeah, but uh, as far as the information and everything and the clarity of the voice and the speed of the voice and everything else, uh, they have clearly done a lot uh, for iOS 11. And Siri, from in my experience, is much better on iOS 11 just in accuracy and in, in coming back with decent information and, and all of that. What about you? What have you found? Well, I mean, this is, boy, third verse, same as the first. The, the, the thing with Siri that, I mean, there was a time when Siri was just not very good. Right. And we've covered this over the years. We've been there every step of the way with this. And there have been times when we're like, oh, my God, Hosanna. It really seems like Siri has really arrived, both in terms of the functionality that it can do, but more importantly, from a user experience standpoint, it just felt like there are times when it feels like, wow, they've really turned a corner with hearing my voice, Mm -hmm. knowing what my intent was, Mm -hmm. and then quickly, efficiently, and correctly turning that into a thing to do. Right. And, and the nice thing is like, once you trust it more and use it more, you get better at it because you quickly, you, you learn what it wants and it becomes less weird to talk into the air. Right. You know, and when it doesn't, you start to slip a little bit. Well, it's, there's so much that has gotten so much better and I'll cover some of that. But the, the main problem with Siri for me, I, I still don't know what, why this is. The classic for me, let's all take a drink is like when I say get my watch in one hour. And a full 51% of the time it says, get my wash. Like I say that twice a day, at least uh, every day. And I wish that it would either like I could stop being from the Midwest, right? Or, or that it would just start getting it better. (laughs) But it's, it's, it's really weird. Um, And so like, that's the thing that's really frustrating is like uh, in the midst of, and I have many positive things to say in a second, but I got the new big boy watch and I'm, I'm on iOS 11 on all the things. And like uh, the other day in a fairly quiet room, it took about six tries, you know, oh, it'll tap you when you're ready, when it's ready and dee 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 I mean, one thing I have been having, everybody's been having weird connectivity problems, especially with LTE. But I, as I mentioned on Twitter, I've had this weird problem where when I'm out of range of my watch on a known network at home, uh-huh. it gets confused. I don't know if it's an Eero thing. I don't know what it is. The main thing that's still frustrating with Siri is the times when it just seems to go completely brain dead. And you try so hard, you articulate so well. I mean, you're used to this with other devices. You're used to your TV, like, uh, not understanding you because it's not, you know, maybe the best voice recognition in the world. But that's the main frustrating thing. So when it works, it works really, really great. And when it doesn't work, it's super frustrating. Yeah. But I'm going to write that down to, you know, internet weather in one form or fashion. Well, you know, uh, one of the other things that I experimented with, uh, because now I think, you know, Siri has always had different accents, but they have come a long way with, uh, with improving the accents. And, and the one, the British one sounds, uh-huh. sounds very good. I still am with the American accent, but I tried the British one for a day 
and uh, I was impressed. It sounded it sounded to my well, ears. Well, this is one good. nice addition on the watch. I'm using my watch. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, so now the watch has Siri voice. That's pretty cool. Um, it is really, it is actually really nice to have this on the watch because you don't want to have to look at it. Um, how's the weather today? Here's the forecast for today. Yeah. So, I mean, stuff like that is pretty nice. Uh, let's try this one. How much does Donald Trump weigh? <laughs> it's 236 pounds. Yeah, bull crap. <laughs> you know, um, the, the, maybe the... Maybe the top half. <laughs> one of the interesting things, I think, is how... I think I see Apple Watches more than any other kind of watch now. And I think if you jump back in time 20 years ago or whatever, it would have just been Casio everywhere. And mm-hmm. now it feels like it's uh, it's the Apple Watch everywhere. And yesterday I was actually in the domain here and I was walking to uh, to the Apple store and coming the other way was my commercial real estate agent the guy that uh helped hook us up with our our last office and and the one before that really nice guy not a geeky guy at all he's probably in his you know i would say mid 50s uh you know spends most of his time like showing commercial real estate properties mm-hmm. and i said hey what, what are you doing out here he says oh i just just picked up the new apple watch and i said have you had one before he said no no he says have you ever had one? I said, yeah. I said, well, why aren't you wearing it? I said, well, I, I gave it to my mom. <laughs> and he's like, oh. But it, it, the interesting thing and what I talked to him a little bit about is, you know, I think that the Apple Watch is a very, very mainstream product now. Mm-hmm. When it started out, it was, I think, absolutely not. And in the last couple of years, it's gone from only sort of geeks really to to now really, it's really patient geeks <laughs> right to really being a product that now just everybody wants everybody wants to have even if they don't know why they want it they want it and that there's right. there there's something to that yeah I, I i agree and i'm gonna you know hold my counsel on this <clears throat> until you know we get some updates i i think I think a lot of the weirdness in, I hope that a lot of the weirdness in series three is software that'll get fixed soon. I mean, apparently it has to be. Yeah. Like according to Serenity, that whole like weird connecting to uh, random Wi-Fi isn't, is a longstanding bug. It's not, not a new thing that's peculiar to that. They talked about this on, I want to say upgrade yesterday that, you know, one of the problems is that yes, it will try to get onto a network you've been on before, a Wi-Fi network you've been on before, but if it has a cap- captive portal, it can't do anything. If there's like a sign-in page or anything like that, interstitial, like there's no way for the watch to handle that. So I, I think that stuff will get worked out. I mean, this might be one of those things where testing hardware inside of a secret Apple building has its downsides. I mean, even if you're going out and using it in the real world, I think we talked about this last week, like how many how many Apple nerds have auto-join turned on? Hopefully none. Like, right. turn that off. Do right. not have auto-join turn turned off. on. That's so dangerous. Um, I mean, I get that that's one benefit of this is like anytime you're at Starbucks or whatever, it recognizes it, Marriott, like whatever. No, do not do that. That's a bad idea. But I, I think this watch is neat. I like it. Um, so connectivity problems. Some of the nice new stuff. Um, some people don't like it. I do like. I, I don't notice that much about the new Siri voice, but I, I do like it. I think that, I think it's nice that they're improving on that. Other nice new things. I have not seen this in action yet, but supposedly 
Siri is now syncing across devices such that when it does learn things, the AI is sharing that across your devices. I haven't seen that in practice. I don't know how that would work, but that's what it says on the tin, which, if true, is a really cool idea. Like, I like that Photos is doing that. Photos is doing that in a limited way now. It's not sharing mm-hmm. all of your data. It's just agreeing that if these two people are both John Syracuse, it shakes hands and says, yes, we'll agree on that. Um, so more of that stuff is fine by me. Uh, what else is new? Oh, um, I have not seen this a lot, but Siri now gives you when it can. You know, it used to be that Siri would just give up and barf and throw out five Bing results if it didn't know what you wanted. It has gotten better at giving you multiple options about what you might want to do next. I think it's getting smarter about and that. And I read that in iOS 11, it's not using Bing anymore. I read that it's using... Uh, back to Google. Uh, yeah, back to Google. Charlie Babbitt. Yeah. Charlie Babbitt. <laughs> uh, Wapner. Um, <laughs> something everybody was excited about that I tried for about two seconds. You can go to accessibility and turn on typing for Siri if you prefer to type. Uh, I, I think that kind of, unless you need that for accessibility reasons, I think that kills a lot of the usefulness. What you can do already that you have been able to do and continue to be able to do that I really recommend is tap to edit. And I don't know how many people realize this, but when after you've said something, if it doesn't get it right, you can notice in the upper right, you can click on tap to edit, and it'll auto-complete with what it, other things you might have meant. And you can click on that, and it corrects it for you without having to say it again. And it is my hope that they are looking at that data and learning from it, either on a person-by-person, you know, people, I don't know, I don't know, how, I imagine with, with various kinds of AI, you could learn a lot from what gets corrected often. If somebody keeps correcting wa- wash to watch, like maybe that's something for this person and their speech impediments, you know, something we can help with. Yeah. Um, other neat stuff. I mean, OmniFocus, as usual, is way out uh, in front with uh, using SiriKit. So now you can say things like, I put a couple of links in notes for this, but now you can, I have not gotten this to work on the watch, but it does work on iOS, where you can say things like, um, in the example here in this Mac Stories article, Write the history essay. So you can say, add, write the history essay to my school list in OmniFocus. So like you can create tasks. Basically, it treats contacts and projects as a list. So if you want to use Siri a lot with OmniFocus, you might need to change the way you name things because it's, you're going to frequently get confronted with, okay, which, which thing that included the word house do you want to use in my case? But I think that's really promising. Apparently, this will work with more financial things. You could say, what's my balance on this and things like that. I think that's all very promising. Um, and the new watch face, the new Siri watch face is geeky, but I think very promising. So what do we talk about when we talk about Siri? For a long time, it's been very confusing because Siri means so many different things. Does Siri mean uh, voice capture? Well, kind of. Is Siri the intelligence behind taking that voice and doing something? Yes, kind of. Well, what about, is Siri also that thing that decides what app I might want next? Well, yeah, according to Apple, it is. So under that umbrella, that aegis of Siri, um, you, you can choose in your Apple Watch app to say, pull data from the following applications to contextually give me what you think I'm going to want. Like, obviously, show my next appointment next. You may, might want to show, like, a photo collection next. You might want to show, you know, whatever it is, some reminders that are coming up. It's geeky. I mean, if you've got the Siri face on, it's pretty nerdy, but I think it's extremely promising. Anything they can do to add more context and intelligence right. to providing the information, and whatever you call it, Siri or otherwise, I think that's really promising. I mean, any, you know, the, we've talked, I think, in the past about our dreams for 
where artificial intelligence is going and, and having these little helpers that are around us. And again, using citing minority report as an example of that kind of awareness that I think we're hoping for. You know, I think I've said this before too, that I don't think what people really want, we don't really want the technology that we have now. It's, it's a stepping stone. We want something that's better. We just don't know what that is yet. And I don't, think anyone really knows exactly how we're going to get to it uh but what we have now is so much better than what we had just a few years ago you know the the Mm -hmm. awareness that these devices have of where we are physically just the fact that we can you know it it, my phone knows about the time that i leave work every day and it will tell me about how long it's going to take me to get to where it thinks i will be going at that time it's uncanny how it does that with Google Maps, you know? Oh, it's, absolutely. You know, and little things like that, if you're willing to give up a little bit of that privacy, you know, that the the return on that is pretty impressive. And the fact that my phone, like, has an idea where I go and where, where I might go, you know, we're almost to that point where you could just say to your phone, hey, uh, you know, I think I'm in the mood for a burger today for lunch. Can you, you know, make a reservation somewhere? It's not too far. I think I've only got, you know, an hour to do it. Or it's going to know that you only have an hour to do it. Or you might um, you might go right, right, to right. lunch and, and come back from lunch and it might say to you, you know, you, you spent $20 today at lunch. That's about $8 over your, your target goal to keep track of your budget for you. You know, little things like that. Um, you know, why not have an intelligence that understands all of those things? Why not have something yeah. that knows, not based on time of the day, not based on a program that, that's been written, but that knows, oh, Dan's driving home. I better make the house a little bit cooler so that it's cool by the time he gets here. You know, little things yes, like that. Yes, Yeah, I totally agree. But I mean, I think we can even be a little bit more on the nose about this. Um, and, and you know, this, again, this is why I'm interested in apps like Exist because they're finding patterns. Like, watch what I do for a long time, and then tell me interesting things. Right. Like that's that to me is a big pattern. Like, here's one interesting pattern: is notice the times. <laughs> this is going to sound crazy and a little bit meta. Notice the times that I'm using a given feature a lot, and then the times that I'm not using that feature a lot. And maybe not like the tips pop up all the time, but some way to say like, oh, you know, in the same way that Text Expander reminds me that I just typed something that I have a a shortcut for, right? And I'll get a pop-up on on my Mac if I type something longhand that I already have an uh, abbreviation for, it'll pop up and say, hey, did you know you already have an abbreviation for that? It'd be kind of neat to watch my patterns of usage on all these things yeah. and then suggest things I might want to try based on that because it's not that fun to click on the question mark and go through everything Siri can do. It might be something like, well, you've opened this app like 15 times today. Did you know that you could do a long press, get Siri and say open deliveries and that'll open that for you? You know, there's a bunch of things you can do talking to your watch or your phone that you can obviously can launch apps. But there's also just like a lot of little nice uh, things that it that it can do, and I don't think your average bear knows that a lot of these are even there. But I'm with you. You know, notice these patterns. This is the thing, like a maybe not Bayesian, but like don't listen to what I say. Watch what I do. Like do smart things based on what I do over and over, and right. le- learn things from that. I agree. That's really that's that's a good direction. What was the other thing I had? Uh, Siri watch face. Um, so yeah, that, that's a good tip. Uh, the opening iOS apps, that's an old one, but it is really handy. Another one that's new that's kind of neat. Um, how do you say good morning in Spanish? I'll continue on phone. Yeah, But on your phone then, it'll pull that up. Buenos dias. 
That's kind of cool. So it'll do That's a translation nice. right in Siri. Yeah, kind of handy. So, um, the listener Eric, I, I think Siri is still very promising. I think it's it's getting more robust. It's doing more things. The other thing, Siri is a very very ambitious idea on so many levels. If you think about it, just the whole idea. I mean, think back to me the days of me and my Quadra and trying to control my computer <laughs> like I'm freaking you know Professor X. Like you know that we've come so far from that, and they're trying to control a lot of very different kinds of things in different ways. It's a very ambitious project. But I, I still think it's really promising. I, I really do. It's just that today, you know, the, the Echo is so darn good, it's kind of hard not to compare it. You know what I mean? If I had the choice to have the Echo in place of Siri on the phone, I, I would do it. Yep. I mean, even if you had to get into more command line, which, I mean, the thing is we're already getting into that. You know, the fact that you, you now say something and then say in OmniFocus, like you're already doing what you do with Echo Skills, where you're right. having to invoke where this should happen. And that, you know, to, in my experience and in um, other people's experience, Michael Sire was talking about this, you sometimes need to hold the button a little longer than you think for, to, to make sure that it captures the in OmniFocus part. Like that's, that's one tip. If you're having trouble getting that to work or you're frustrated, it's probably cutting it off before it gets to the end. So I, I think that'll all improve. I really do. But, um, listen, Eric, I am very optimistic about Siri, even as I am frustrated as a person who's actually trying to use it. I think it's really promising. And I think, I think it's important to Apple that this works. I really do. Anything else on Siri? Nah, I say leave it. Hmm. Um, can I do another one? Yes. Listen to Raphael. Uh, We've talked about this before, but I'd like to talk about this again. I think it's a good question. Listener Raphael wants to ask a question about how to find new relationships in your life uh, after college. It's been about three years since I graduated and joined the workforce. I was never much of a social animal before, but the school enrollment meant that I would still meet a lot of new people and develop friendships on a constant basis. Since starting my job, though, my social circle has shrunk to my coworkers, plus a couple close friends from college. Is this expected? Should I be working harder to v- develop new relationships, or does everyone end up going through this? What has changed since college? Uh, I like I that question. Yeah, I do too. I, and I, 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 we've talked about it, like I said, we talked about it before, but I was shocked having been through 13 years of public school, four years of college, um, even knowing what I could anticipate, I was kind of shocked with how quickly... I was not surrounded by tons of people I knew a little and a fair number of people I knew very well. Like I lived on campus through most of college at a very small school. Yeah. So like it was just like there were dozens of people I saw every day and knew by name. I mean, I knew the name of almost everybody at my college. It was 500 people. And this is back when I was better with names. But like you would just see people all the time and you knew what their basic deal was. And like that was that starts to feel normal. You just go into the cafeteria and you see this group with that group and you see this person and that person. And I think I was really shocked and I found it very difficult when I went to my first big boy job and did not suddenly have an easy group of acquaintances, let alone friends. And then you compound that with like how quickly or not quickly, our lives change after college. Like some people go straight into law school. Some people get married. Some people have a baby. Like some people get a unicycle. Like (laughs) so much changes and their availability and interest changes so quickly. You're not forced to be in proximity to these people. And all of a sudden, the only people you know are the people you're in the office with. And that feels weird. Don't you think? It feels very weird. I mean, especially if, I mean, 
I think there are a lot of places where you can go to work, where you can work with people who are your age, who are interested in the kind of stuff you're in. I mean, that's part of the allure, I think, of the startup culture is that the, the startup culture preys upon people who are just coming out of school, who are willing to put in extreme amounts of time. That kind of defines the fact that, well, if you're working at this startup, you're probably into the tech geek stuff and you're probably – you know, you're probably of a certain age. And so at least you're working with people that wasn't, it wasn't like that for me. When I went into the workforce initially, most of the people there were at, at least 10, if not 15 or 20 years older than me. And so here I was, you know, 21, 22, whatever. And these are people, people, those people have already made a life and and satisfied. So like you're, you're really kind of on your own on a couple levels. Yeah, and most of them had kids, you know? So it's like, hey, you want to go grab a beer after work? Like, no, I'm, I'm going to go home. Like, oh, you're no fun. Yeah, yeah. actually, I am fun. I'm just going to have fun with my four-year-old kid instead of with you at a bar, you know? <laughs> right. And uh, and and so, like, of course, as a parent, like, that makes total sense. And when people are like, hey, I'm in town for a night. Why don't you come out? We'll get tacos and barbecue tonight. We're going to meet here at nine. I'm like, no, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen, especially not with zero notice, you know? And so, right. I, you know, but but when you think about that, like going out into that workforce you're leaving like you said you knew 500 people i don't think i knew anywhere near that many people's names that's the irony though that's the irony of the small school and i realized this when i moved to tallahassee where fsu is and there were so many people that like felt like they had to join clubs and sororities fraternities whatever because the irony is that a school with 500 people it's actually much easier to make friends than it is at a big school there's so much more isolation you're in your little dorm you're in your little like suite you only have exposure to certain people you know there's a wonderful story i gotta tell you man reply all uh the gimlet podcast which i've given some stick to in the past like why do you need 80 people at a podcast company but reply all has gotten very very good they've had some very good stories and their latest episode is so good it's about a, a woman in college I think she's in, she's Serbian. I believe that's right. And she has this melancholy. She's very unhappy. She's very isolated. She has whole days in a row. She doesn't talk to anybody. And all she wants to do is find this flash game that her best friend and her used to play. And, and this is a classic kind of reply all story that becomes very warm in, in this American life. But I think that's a common feeling in Serbia or otherwise is like, ah, geez, I'm really on my own here and I'm stressed out and I'm doing these new things. And a job is not really all that different. Like you say, you're, it's, you're forced into these life with these work proximity companions, as Ron Swanson says, mm-hmm. but like it, you could feel yourself, feel that pull. I mean, and like you said about startups, I mean, not all, but a lot of startups are basically like a white nationalist group with an angel round. It's just like a bunch of people who want to be pulled into some kind of a little cult and are happy to spend all of their time doing that thing. Right. Is that the healthiest environment? Uh, I'm going to say no. Um, and, but you feel forced to like have these relationships and you got to go get wings and you got to go to softball and you got to like find your way to fit in, which can work, which is great. It's great to like get along with people and you know, whether it's the freezer boy or the dairy boy or the, uh, <laughs> grocery boy, right. it's good to have that. But like you really do at a certain point have to make yourself explore new avenues, I think. And those, nobody's trained you on this. Like nobody has a class, nobody gives you a class on procrastination and dumb bosses and nobody gives you a class on how to be a sociable adult when you're 26. It's, it's either, it might be super easy, but for a lot of people, it is super duper hard. And I I don't know. I always felt like there was always so much pressure to like be pals with the people that you work with, which is okay, but it's also weird because like you're supposed to have this professional relationship and like, do you really want to go get wasted with somebody that like is leading the project you're working on? That feels wholesome, 
when you're 26, but like, is that wholesome? Is that really, you know, what you want to do? So I had some suggestions for listener Raphael, and I feel you. You're not weird. This is totally normal. Everybody goes through this. Um, but, and these are my usual kind of boring suggestions, but I think you've got to unpot yourself. I forget where I first heard this phrase, but I really, gosh, I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it. But somebody I admire once said, every few years you need to repot yourself, which is the idea you need to tear yourself out of whatever has become familiar and put yourself into a new situation with new challenges. And that's how you grow. That like, if you stay in the same pot for 25 years, like you're not going to be a very happy plant. So I think, I mean, obviously having good relationships with your work proximity associates is a good thing, but I think you do have to reach out some. My idea is uh, one would be to volunteer somewhere. There's so many reasons it's a good idea to volunteer somewhere. It doesn't have to be a lot of time, but something that forces you to be around other people working on something together that's not your job, I think is a really good idea. That could be, you know, that, that even could be pick up basketball, but I think it's right. good for your soul uh, to spend five hours a week volunteering somewhere. Um, you know, and, and, and it's not going to be necessarily like a happy thing. Like it's not fun to pick weeds at a school, but like it, it helps somebody and it gets you out of your environment. And there's a little trick inside the trick there, which is like, get out of the house, like Mm -hmm. go do something that's useful. And even if you don't, I can't promise you, you're going to make lots of friends or meet chicks that way, but like it will encourage you. I hate to say force. It will encourage you to get out of this very easy rut. That very easy rut is, oh my God, it's six o'clock. It's six thirty. I just got home from work. I got to go to the grocery store. I got to do this thing. I got to be in bed by 12. I'm going to play a little bit of destiny. I'll go to bed. I wake up and I start over again. And like, it's very easy for that to become a rut and a grind. Oh yeah, totally. And you've, you've got, you've got to find some way to have like a fourth place right? You got home, you got work, you got Starbucks, and then you got, you got, there should be somewhere that is where you get to be a different kind of person than at home and work, maybe. So volunteering is one. Taking a class is one. That's a lot of commitment. I mean, we just had our um, Ungainly X-Man meetup at the comic store um, last Thursday. I think things like that are a really good idea. Can you go find Common Cause? Could you go play Pokemon with somebody? Could you, could you find some group that does a thing that you like? Again, there's no promise that that's going to be a way for you to make friends, but it's a huge step in the right direction to not, to, if nothing else, I mean, you know, it's sort of like that Louis C.K. thing of like, well, you know, you, get, you have to do this exercise anymore. And the doctor's like, well, how long do I do that exercise? Well, you do that exercise as long as you don't want your ankle to hurt. Like right. you're not doing that to like build your strength anymore. You're doing that to not decline. Mm-hmm. And even at 25, 26, 35, avoid the decline if you can. Because get into that habit of seeing yourself as somebody who has a social life outside of work. Uh, making nerd friends. Uh, whatever your nerd thing is. It doesn't have to be nerdy, but you know, it could be church. It could be lots of things. But volunteering is a good one. And then I think just looking around for places where you can find common cause with strangers is good practice. It really is. And we tend to get, I think, into these little silos of like, well, that's like, I don't know that person. And it, it gets very hard, I think, to meet people in college, everyone's the same age. You're all doing the same kind of thing. You're all in the same location. You're all having that similar life experience for the most part, like in the fact that you are 20 years old and in this location and sleeping in this dorm and going to these classes. Like your backgrounds are different, but what you do in the day is essentially the same as what other people are doing in the day. So it's very mm-hmm. easy to just sort of meet people. And there's the the blanket of safety of being in a school and like 
you know, there are certain requirements to get there and there are certain goals that you all share. And so it, it fosters this kind of camaraderie, even if you're not trying to have that, it's just sort of there. When you get to work, all of a sudden it, that kind of goes away. Like, yeah, you're going to the same work in the same place, but it, it just, there's something very, very different about it. And depending on the culture and the area, it's not always the most inclusive place. Like if you don't right. try to interact with those other people and, you know, they, they may not make any move to, you know, the first week that you're there, like the person who's mentoring you is going to be like, okay, let's go to lunch. And then after that week's over, you're kind of on your own. Like now you've got your desk and your cube or your, or your office or whatever. And, you know, and also... I think there's an aspect to that where in the job situation, like those people are not there necessarily to be social. They're not there to make friends, especially if they are older, like you said, then they have a life already. They're, they're probably pretty established in what they're doing. You know, like they, if, especially if they have kids already, well, they've got kids, they've got a spouse, they've got friends, they've got, you know, they're already struggling to make time to see their friend from a few years ago before they had kids. It's already hard enough for them to get a sitter to go out one night a week with their, with their spouse. You know, now right. you're, you're, you're a new friend. Like I'm, it's like, um, gosh, I'd love to hang out, but like, I can't even hang out with the people I've known for 10 years already. I know. I, I know. But it, in some ways though, the irony of that is what you're describing there is it's a little bit of a, again, that Stephen Covey sort of is my ladder against the right wall type situation where like, uh, it's one thing for life to be difficult, but it's another thing for your life to be difficult for reasons that are, are changeable or reasons that are unhealthy. Like if I, I'm, I'm, how do I put it? I mean, like this sounds dorky, but like, I, I, I like that I'm busy with my family. Like, and I'm not trying to say that for to like sound any particular way, but like, yeah, it is frustrating. And I feel like kind of a, like a, like a real, you know, wet blanket or a loser to constantly say, no, I can't go do this thing. But like, I, I like our life and I, I, you know, I like that, you know, we just went camping. I'm like, that's really, really fun. The the other thing is though, like here, there's another irony in this though, which is that pretty much everywhere you live, there's a downside. Like you take three, let's take an urban environment, a suburban environment or a whatever kind of not rural, but like, you know, more country-ish environment. And like they all, they all seem to have benefits and they all definitely have drawbacks. I mean, suburban life can be very isolating. I'm guessing most of our listeners probably live in some version of suburbia where like you work somewhere and then you go somewhere that's mostly housing to go and do your thing. That can be very isolating where you drive from one covered structure to another and anything in between those two covered structures that disrupts your day is, is, is annoying interference. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not trying to be like a hippie and say, oh yeah, you should go like ride your recumbent bike. No, but I am saying like be aware that driving driving from one structure to another and back is not necessarily a full life. So suburbia is great because you get some privacy. You maybe you could buy a house. Who knows? But that's all great. But as we both know, it can also be very isolating. To need to drive everywhere is very isolating. So then what? Urban. Like you're going to live in San Francisco. You're going to live in Brooklyn. You're going to live in Austin or whatever. Well, there's other downsides to that because it can feel like a really high pressure environment. A lot of those cool kids clubs are not always welcomely offering new membership. It can feel equally isolating to be there. Like, it's no fun to feel like an uncool person in Brooklyn. Like, that's not fun. Right. And you feel like, oh, like, how will I ever find a way in here? I guess you can go to shows and stuff like that. And then, of course, as somebody who's lived in a 
pseudo rural area, that can really suck because it's kind of the worst of all of them. You've got isolated tribes, you've got the disconnection of suburbia, but also there's not, not that much stuff to do if you don't have a car. If you did have a car, where would you go? You go to another town. Right. Like all of those things have a drawback. So like, don't accept it as an excuse or reason that because of where you are, you can't do this. I mean, you could do that. You can console yourself with that. But instead, I would look at that as part of the challenge is understand that there are other people who suffer from what you suffer from. How do you find common cause with them? And that's why I say things like nerd meetups and things like that. Just going out for drinks. Going out for drinks is fun, uh, and it may be all that you can kind of work in. But like, I would try to find some way to leverage whatever is common to your environment, except that it's going to be difficult, except that it's going to be awkward, and just occasionally try to find some reason to take yourself on a date. Like, go somewhere and do a thing. Right. Um, I don't know. There's not one answer, but I just wanted to say to, to listener Raphael, you're, you're not suffering alone. It's hard for everybody. Well, yeah, uh, and, and, and that's, the, that's the thing is like, again, when you're in college or even if you're for your first job or whatever, like those people are there to meet other people, to hang out with other people. That's one of the goals of college is to go to parties or meet friends and go and do stuff. That's not normally a goal of going to get a job. Like you might get a job because the people there are cool or because right. you like what they're doing. But like people are there to first and hopefully first and foremost to to do a, their job, to accomplish a task, to, to do the thing that they're being paid to do first and socialize or hang out is a second. And unfortunately, in some places, a distant second. So being able right. to to go to a job and think, well, I'm going to build a social life here. You might. You might get lucky and have a place where there are people who you, who you actually enjoy to, to hang out with. But there is a big chance that you're going to go and find out that like, well, I guess these people are here to do their job. I need to do a different thing. I remember a friend of right. mine had a uh, – they had a kid and all of a sudden like he wouldn't hang out anymore. He wouldn't go out and do anything anymore. I'm like, why? He's like, well – you know, we're, we're, we're doing different stuff now. And I'm like, you can't hang out. And he's like, well, what changed is our kid is, you know, a year old or two years old. We're going on play dates. Now the friends that we have now are parents with their kids of a similar age. And so when we get together and do things, first of all, we have this kid that we've got to bring. So guess what? We're going to do something that's fun for the kid too. You put your kid first and now you're not just going out with your friends, you're going out with your friends who have kids also and who don't mind calling in a night at about seven o'clock because they still got to do bath time. You know, like it's, it's a whole <laughs> we went different to a party thing. Last, we went to a party last week that started at a birthday party for a friend in Marin across the bridge. And like, I got my pop up that it was time to take my sleeping pill and we hadn't even left the house yet. It was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to go to something until 10 o'clock at night? Uh, one, one, um, uh, 10 o'clock at night, being out at 10 o'clock at night sounds yes. really late to me. Oh, it's so late. It was so late. Here's, here's another funny irony or paradox to this, and then we can wrap this part. But uh, another funny irony or paradox is that, yes, you want to be collegial and friendly and communicative and have good relationships with people you work with. One long game in all of this, though, is it's, you know, we're kind of presenting this as extremes. On the one hand, there's this loser in a hoodie, la la la. There's a loser in a hoodie over here who, like, has to go be loved by everybody at work and uh, have an IPA at seven o'clock and then a sandwich and then work till one. And fine. If you're 22, Hakuna Matata, go with that. And then we're presenting at the other end, we've got this old Monopoly man who doesn't do anything but just go home from the bank and then watch his kids play. There's a continuum in between. 
I will just say that for this long game, there is something wholesome about having something to look forward to that's not work and not home. Uh, find, try to seek out something like that because then your home and your work will get better. Why? Well, you're going to respect your own time more. You're going to honor the fact that you know, you're not leaving at 5 because you're lazy. You're leaving at 5 because you got Taekwondo. Right. And that's a place you need to do, and that's a thing you do for yourself. And that gives you a little bit of an edge. Now, th- that may not work for you, but find something that does work for you. Something that you look forward to doing that you don't see as an annoyance that has like a little bit of a schedule to it. And I think you actually may find that, in particular, your work life does get better. It might make your home life a little more hectic because you've got fewer hours to just sit around and, you know, play lego worlds but like the and i'm sorry i'm ranking on video games but you know it's it's so easy to be isolated we we have so much stuff that we can just look at inertly and like you have to fight that impulse to just be constantly unwinding i know i do yeah so anyway consider it so i just want to say thank you to uh listener Raphael, and uh good luck with uh meeting lots of great new people would you be good enough if, if you're able to uh tell me about first of all can i tell you about something i just saw yeah okay where was this i haven't tried this yet i was watching videos about this did you know you can multi-select icons to move yes you can you hold the one down and it starts <gasps> jiggling and then you just tap the other ones and they slide up into a little stack and you can move them all Does that at really once. work yeah that's a game changer. Okay, a 9 to 5 Mac article in, uh, in show notes. Yeah, so you, cool, you hold man, down one, stuff. you start making it. You don't want to 3D touch it. You just want to hold it yeah. down so it starts jiggling. And then while you're still touching that one, you just uh, you, you start touching the other ones. Mm-hmm. And they, they should collect in there and, and start working. That is so cool. Um, if you would, could you tell me about something that you like? Yes, I would like to tell you about Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon, wearing it right now. Oh, what you got on? Oh, it's my it's my go to. It's my daily. It's Pima Cotton Long Sleeve Tea every day. Every day. Every day. I love this thing. This is this is this is the bedrock of my wardrobe. <laughs> that and filthy, filthy <laughs> Levi's. I love these things. I bought a green one to mix it up a little bit. My, I got a compliment from my wife. Is it a dark green or like an army green? Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, both. Yeah. Let's go look. Let's go look on the site. But keep going. I'll find it for you. Well, Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon. I they, love Mac Weldon. I thought it was just going to be somebody who gave us money for the podcast, but I really like their stuff. They are my go-to uh, clothing buyer at this point. I do, too. Big fan. I do, too. And, you know, like we've said before, you know, the sponsors, they pay us to do the ad spots, but they can't, mm-hmm. they can't pay us to actually say that we legitimately like the stuff. And, and I know you love it. I like it, too. I think they're, they're on to something here. They do uh, – they make products that, have, that are – designed really well they're made really well premium fabrics and the whole experience of buying them is really easy to do and that's a big plus they make it simple because typically you know we're guys we like to say okay I, I need some shirts i'm gonna go buy some shirts like we don't want to spend an hour on a website looking around trying to oh, I want this they just make it completely straightforward they've got underwear socks shirts undershirts hoodies and sweatpants and they're the most comfortable ones that you'll ever wear and you go there and you pick out the ones that you want and you put them in your cart and you buy it and you're done the way it should be. Simple, straightforward. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial so that they eliminate odor. Perfect for working out in or wearing all day when you know you've got to do something after work uh, and you need to, to feel fresh. They're going to be fresh. It's nice. And they're pretty confident that you're going to like it. If you don't like your first pair, they let you keep it. 
and they still refund you no questions asked. Uh, they perform really well too. It's it's great for like I said, working out in work in these things. Take them out, on, wear them on on a date, whatever you're going to do in your daily life. These are great, great clothing to wear. I think my favorite is probably. I keep talking about it because it's the one thing that I consistently uh, use, and that's the hoodie that I got from them. Oh, we have those all over the house. My Love favorite hoodie. Those. And, you know, you'd be like, well, Dan, you're in Texas, and it's September, and you just said it was 80 degrees. They crank the AC down inside of this office so low sometimes. I have it here at work. I'll put it on at work, and uh, and I pretend it is winter because it's so cold in here. And it warms you up. They got the really nice ties, the really nice pulls. Like it, all of the little details are are so thoroughly thought through, and the quality and attention to to that detail level of detail is is all there. And uh, what color is it? What kind of green is it? I sent it to you. Duffel bag green. Duffel bag green. Duffel bag. Duffel bag. Duffel bag. I just added some stuff to my cart just now. Oh yeah, that's see, that's a deep. Vesper. That's a good deep green. I wore that camping and I looked very smart. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. go to Mac Weldon, which is spelled M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N, MacWeldon.com. And if you use the promo code back to work, all one word, you'll get 20% off. That's a great thing to do it. Go try it. MacWeldon.com, back to work, 20% off. Thanks to Mac Weldon for making this show with Merlin Man possible. Dan Benjamin. Thanks, Macwell. Thanks, Macwell. <laughs> baka baka. Yeah. That's an good boss. It's very offensive. No. Uh, I got one more. Man, this one's weird. I, I withheld this listener's name because this one's so weird. Um, yes, AT&T. I get it. Thank you. Ugh. Uh, listener, uh, just name withheld. Universal truths? Yes, no. Some people cross the aisle. Some, their fingers in every pie. They only linger for a while but work until they die. I think this person might be a wizard. I could write a short essay full of crackle and pop. You already know what I'll say as I begin to stop. May not step in the same river twice, but if 50 score before some tips might make the next river nice. <laughs> May not step in same river twice, but if 50 score before some tips might make the next river nice. It's a very odd thing to say. Yeah, yeah, you get it. Design experience... <laughs> Might help with selling artwork. Might help with auctioneering. Might help with theater. Engineering? Question mark. Do universal truths exist? Did you really learn everything you needed to know in kindergarten? Must we travel to grow? Or does dedication to one area tell you all you need? See, I would have added to know, and then it would have rhymed. That's that's an email from a listener. It's partly an excuse to talk about something I wanted to talk about. Okay. But I thought, it was a, I thought it was a... Well, it's a very, very weird thing to email somebody. Yeah. So thank you to listener uh, name withheld. Are there universal truths? My feeling is that if there are universal truths, it would be very difficult for us to know. And uh, so I would say for various practical purposes, I'm going to vote no on are there universal truths. If there are universal truths, it doesn't matter because you still need to work a process to figure out life. You see, I pre- you see how I prepared for this one? Mm-hmm. For all we know is what seems connected for now. And even that is hard to trust because our information is often outdated, biased, misunderstood, and misapplied. So (laughs) the problem is the more certain we are about a universal truth, you know what I'm saying here? The more certain you are of a universal truth, the more likely it is that there's something, this is what what it's like to be friends with John Syracuse, is your brain gets broken like this and you never trust anything you think anymore. There's so much we think is true and we were looking for these universalities. Instead of finding some kind of a a framework for doubting ourselves in a 
productive and useful way. And I think that's the way to grow mm-hmm. is, is to like find the productive way to mistrust yourself. Oh, also, uh, you did not learn everything you needed to know in kindergarten. You learned everything you needed to know to be a kindergartner in kindergarten, and that's what it's for. Uh-huh. I wanted to talk about this really good – this is very quick. We're almost done. Uh, really good recent episode of uh, Planet Money, which is a podcast that I like. And they talked to this guy. Go check this out in notes if you would. Jump ahead of me a little bit here and look for doing D-A-D-A. Okay. Da-da. Da-da. Um, okay. And so it was kind of it was a, kind of a funny kind of a silly interview. But I bought I bought this guy's book. He has a, a Kindle single uh, about how to think like a spy, and it's not as like John Rodericky as it sounds. It's more about like applying a certain kind of mindset to how you do things. And he has this great anecdote about a time that he was approached by this guy who who like basically told him to give him his cell phone, and talked about the process of how you how you deal with a situation to decide what to do next and the kind of levels of decision-making that go on. Like in this case, like he does not, on the one hand, this guy does not want to get clocked as a CIA spy. And on the other hand, like he doesn't want to get his phone stolen, but he knows, okay, so what do I have to do to get out of this situation as safely as possible, but also protect my resources, et cetera, et cetera. And you know me and how I love uh, little systems. He introduced something I'd never heard before, which is uh, DADA. Have you ever heard of this? Never. I mean, it's pretty stock, but I think it's smart. The, uh, quoting here from an article on um, blog.vendoservices.com, the idea of DADA or DADA is particularly powerful. After World War II, the U.S. Air Force studied aerial dogfights to understand why one pilot won and the other lost. They learned that winning pilots go through a process faster than losing pilots, and the process is this, data, analysis, decision, action. It happens very quickly in a dogfight. The faster a pilot could collect data, analyze it, take a decision, and then act, uh, the more likely he was to win. And of course, the beautiful part of this is, I realize I'm kind of all over the map here, data analysis, decision, action. Well, and then you have questions and your decision making that go back to leading to more data. But like, it doesn't mean you don't make a decision. It means you figure out when you need more data to go back and go back through this cycle again and try to get, in the case, if you're a spy or somebody flying a plane, I guess you want to do it fast. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, remember to do this. Because, boy, this is kind of a nice model for thinking about if you're out there looking for, uh, what was the phrase, if you're looking for the universal truths in life, I think a much more useful thing is to get a way of knowing when it's time to look for more data, when it's time to analyze that data, make a decision, and then take an action. That, to me, is maybe oversimplified, but like to me, that's a pretty strategic way to think about what you're doing for all kinds of decision-making. Um, and so it... I mean, rather than asking, like, is there a universal truth, it seems like you could ask how a certain kind of analysis might lead you to deciding on an action. Because deciding on an action is kind of what it's all about, right? And then understanding that this is an ongoing process is what would lead you to become an interesting human being. Is all I wanted to say about that. Da-da. Mm-hmm. I I'm not saying was, you got to do it all the time. When you first said I was thinking, A, attention, I, interest, D, decision, A, action. Get but them to sign on the line that it's is It's a little dotted. different. It's a little different. Well, the first you know, and I'll, just work, I'll, I'll tell you why this works for me in particular is that I know that data analysis, decision, action, I know that I can get hung up on a whole bunch of those, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Instead of seeing it as something that's a constant, like a, a spinning wheel, like moving with a certain amount of velocity, I may be collecting data for the rest of my life before ever beginning to analyze it. 
Or there are times when I want to take an action without even really having made any kind of a sensible decision based on data and analysis. I mean, I realize this is an overly intellectualized way to think about this, but I think it's a useful way to think about problem solving in general, which you know leads to these questions. Do I need more data? Where can I get that from? Where's my best source for this data? How is my analysis going? And trying to find these universal truths in life. Like, am I analyzing this based on up-to-date data? Is my decision-making about that analysis good? And what are, how are these actions working out for me? And I, I don't know. I just think that's a really interesting, any kind of a project you're working on, it seems like that could be really useful. Is, you know, I mean, I think about this with writing, where, like, I've certainly run into this in the past, where, like, on the one hand, I'll spend so long, like, outlining or drafting or, you know, picking out images and stuff like that. Like, putting together a presentation, I'll spend forever on photo stock without writing anything, without getting started. I just thought this was kind of a useful model. Um, it was a good way for me to be snarky about looking for universal truth, but also a way to say, like, uh, go listen to that podcast. It's really good. The guy's kind of a whack, but I liked it. And um, I think we could all probably benefit from a little bit of infrastructure and thinking about how we decide what to do next. Right. Do you do anything like this? I know. Now I feel like I need to. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of pretentious, but yeah, there's a lot of pretension to, though in this kind of thing, but it well, doesn't mean that somebody, it doesn't work. The, the phrase that I've used so many times. And again, I don't know who to credit this with. Maybe it was me, but like, to me, your appreciation for project management in a, in a, on a job greatly uh, increases when you realize that project management is the very clear glass that holds the water, right? We've used this analogy probably since the first episode. But that's a really, that to me is very wise. Because mm-hmm. on the one hand, you should have a view into looking at whatever is in that glass without any kind of occlusions. You should be able to very clearly, again, clearly, see what's inside. But like to understand that without project management, the water just goes all over the table is a really valuable analogy for me. Uh, and so, so I think sometimes having a little bit of a controlling metaphor for the way that you're thinking and the way that you're deciding is not such a terrible idea. You know? Because, you know, and then just to be catty a little bit, you know, the quest for all of these great truths in the world rarely get us anywhere very good it generally sends us into the past. It sends us into looking at what other people have already decided is a very wise thing instead of in this more Buddha-like way, looking at what's in front of you and deciding what to do about it. But then also, on the one hand, being somewhat courageous, I guess you can look at this some ways like that model, you know, of the explorer, um, what's that model? The explorer, the judge, the warrior, same similar kind of you know model for thinking about mm-hmm. this. But I think sometimes it's useful to have a, a paradigm or infrastructure for your thinking so that you could say, like, okay, well, let's, let's take a break from me just doing whatever to go, like, what stage am I at right now? Well, it's been a really long time since I made a decision. Do I really need to keep analyzing this further? Well, do I need new data? I don't know. Just thought I'd toss it out. A Spy's Guide to Thinking by John Braddock, available as a Kindle single. Hmm. Hmm. I like podcasts. I'll also add to notes that um, Reply All, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, put that in there. Reply all, oh boy, their episode, that two episode long distance one was really good about the Indian call center. Oh, do you listen to Reply All? No, I haven't. I have listened to it. I haven't listened to it in a it's long time. It's gotten way better. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's often just like two, two guys being snarky about the internet, right. but like, I think they're finding their, they're, they're getting their legs under them. How many episodes have they done story now? I think they're around a hundred. Yeah. They got like a hundred people working in Brooklyn. It's nuts. That's crazy, isn't it? I think it's crazy. I mean, they must have their reasons. I have to imagine that a lot of those people are working on 
what you might call a producer role. I guess. Like a lot of like just, fact finding. I was talking to a friend of mine about this who's kind of has an inside line on, on what's going on there. And yeah. I was saying to him, like, why do they need so many hum- physical as of human July, of July, As of July, they have 73 employees. I mean, that's just what, what I could do in podcasting with 73 employees. What I could do in podcasting with two people would be amazing. Seriously. <laughs> It's crazy. Seven, I don't, and yeah, they keep taking money and more money and more money and hiring more people. I'm like, well, what are they doing? Oh, I mean, obviously they're this. doing something right, but that seems 73 this, people. Here's your quote on August 2nd, 2017. And we're trash talking a little here. Sorry. On August 2nd, 2017, Gimlet announced it closed a $15 million series B investment round. Yeah. F- and, Generally speaking, most investors want 10x. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Really, you can have a podcast company worth 150 no, million. No, it's impossible. That seems really strange. Oh, but then September 2017, they announced it was uh, this firm announced they were investing five million more for a minority stake in the company. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, all right. Well, you know, no. But anyway, it's a really good show. I will also put into notes that other episode I really liked a lot. The uh, long distance one was very, very good. Maybe one of the best podcast episodes I've heard in a long time. So anyway, we've trash talked. We've helped some people. Yeah, a lot of love, a lot of feelings, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good things yeah, going on. Yeah, definitely. Here. We did it. We earned it. Hour and twenty three. Woo! Woo! All right. Uh, without objection, let's button this up. All righty. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin man. <laughs>